We'll begin reading in verse number 1, Matthew chapter 17 and verse number 1. If you're here today, you came with family or you just came on your own, came with a friend, and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're going to have the opportunity over the next few moments to receive Him as your Savior. It's wonderful for us to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It'll be fun here in just a little bit to have our Easter egg hunt and the kiddos to win the prizes and all that kind of stuff. Squishmallows are all the, are all the rage now, and at least for some. And we've got a mallard duck squishmallow that when he came in earlier this week from the order that we made for it, um, my kids almost didn't let me have it back. And... Uh, and some other things. We'll have a good time with that here in just a little bit. But if, if we come and celebrate Easter and have our family meals together and have our Easter egg hunts and celebrate in that way, it's all good. But if we do so without the security of our eternity, if you celebrate with your family today and you talk about Easter Sunday, but you don't know for sure you, you yourself are on your way to heaven, then the truth is today will be wasted. I hope you'll get it settled before you leave the building today. Matthew chapter 17 and verse number 1. Let's all stand to our feet if we could please in honor of the word of God this morning. Matthew chapter 17 and verse number 1. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elias, which would be Elijah. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were so afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. And because He has risen, we have this story. I want to preach to you on this subject, Jesus only. Jesus only. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please speak to hearts this morning. People need things that I don't know about. You know. You know their hearts. You know their lives. You know their situations. Some have come to celebrate. Some have come for answers. I pray that you would help all of us this morning, for whatever reason we have come, to be helped and healed by your word and by your spirit. 
Father, I pray if there are those this morning that are lost and on their way to hell, that You would convict them of their sin and show them that You sent Your Son to die for their sin so that they don't have to die with their sin. But Lord, help them to see also that they must believe and confess Your Son as their Lord and Savior. I pray that You would please speak to hearts this morning. Do what only You can do. Fill me, please use me, guide and direct my thoughts. I yield myself to You in this service. Anoint it with Your power. We pray this in Jesus' name and Amen. You can be seated. It's interesting to me that Jesus brings these men to the Mount of Transfiguration, is what we call it, with them. And He asks Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, to come to the high mountain apart from the other disciples. And He gives them, these three, a message that only these three would be able to communicate and share with us. And He says on that Mount of Transfiguration, that this is something that they should keep to themselves until He be risen again from the dead. Now the disciples didn't always understand when Jesus was talking about His death, His crucifixion, raising from the dead. We find places in the Gospels where they didn't always understand what He was saying. And the Bible literally tells us that. That as He was communicating to them that He would one day die and be risen again from the grave, that, that they didn't exactly understand what He meant. Now they understood it as things began to be revealed to them after His death and after His resurrection. But they didn't always understand it in the moment. Can I get somebody to flip this air on over here, please? Just the fan would be great. Get it circulating a little bit. Thank you so much, Brother Chris. Now, as they come to the top of the mount, they see a few things. Now we see that Jesus is transfigured before them. Do you see it in verse number 2 of chapter 17? And He was transfigured before them, and His face did shine as the sun, and His raiment was white as the what? As the light. Now this seems to be a depiction of what Jesus will look like in His glorified state. And as He appears to them in what would be His glorified state when He leaves the earth and is raised from the dead and is sitting on the right hand of the Father... We also see this uh, in the book of Revelation when he appears to John the Revelator that he has a very different appearance. Is everybody okay? And so Jesus is transfigured before them and they see, the Bible says, his face did shine as the sun and his raiment was white as the light. Now there was another who had spoken with Jesus or who had spoken with God and been in his presence and his name was Moses. And when Moses came down off the mountain, having spoken with God, the Bible says that his face shone, yes? And that he had to cover his face because of the reflection of it. But isn't it interesting here that Moses, his face shone when he was in the presence of God, but Jesus, the light could not be concealed on. Moses could put a veil over his face to conceal the light, but Jesus, was in, when he was transfigured, he was himself light. Is everybody okay? Now then, the Bible says in verse number 3, And behold, there appeared unto them who? Moses and Elias. Now that's Elijah talking with him. Don't you think it's interesting that Jesus takes these three men to the top of the mountain with him and so that they can see him and also Jesus had to know that uh, Moses and Elijah were going to be there to talk with him. I believe he also knew what conundrum they were all going to be put in. Imagine being at the top of the mountain there and you as a Jew or even me as a Christian. 
look so much up to these two men, Moses and Elijah. Moses got the attention of the Jews because God gave him the laws, the Ten Commandments and many others. Is everybody okay? And many of the Jews during this day are following those laws specifically in order to try to achieve some level of goodness in order to get into heaven. Remember that we see this in one of the followers of Jesus that he came up to him and he said, Good master, what can I do in order to see the kingdom of heaven? Is everybody with me? And Jesus said, Why callest thou me good? Now, we know that Jesus was good, but what he's saying to him is, Look, you think that there's some good thing you need to do, and you don't see me as the Son of God. You just see me as another one of those good prophets, as another one of those good men. Why are you calling me good? If you don't believe I'm the Son of God, then you can't get to heaven. So you're going to have to work your way there. So he, t he gives him some of the commandments. And he says, do all of those things and you'll get into heaven. And he says, well, I've kept all of those things. Well, Jesus seems to be having a hard time breaking through to this guy. So he says, okay, then do this. Be, knowing that he was a wealthy man, he said, then take everything you have and sell it and give it to the poor and come and follow me. And then the Bible says that he left with his shoulder slump. doesn't say with his shoulder slump, but that's how I see it. That, that he walks away with his shoulder slump because he had great possessions and he could not give up his possessions in order to follow after Jesus. And then Jesus says one of the hardest things that was ever recorded. He said to the, for the disciples to understand, he said it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. Right? And why did he say that? He wasn't saying that rich people can't be saved. He's saying they rely upon their wealth and they rely upon the things that they have and they think that they can buy their way into heaven or they think they can do some good thing to get into heaven. He said, but what they have to do is be willing to humble themselves and not rely upon their riches and only rely upon me. Amen. And the man couldn't do it. He thought he was good. He thought he was, he was good to go. Why? Because these Jewish people, many times, they were obeying the laws in order to try to be good enough to be accepted into heaven. So Moses would have been significant to a bunch of Jewish boys who had been raised hearing all about the laws that Moses wrote and the books that Moses wrote. You know the first five books of the Old Testament are written by Moses. We call it the Pentateuch. Is everybody okay? The first five books of the Old Testament were written by Moses. He is highly exalted among the Jewish people. He's looked up to. Many this morning are trying to keep righteous laws in order to be good enough to get into heaven. Some of you have been taught by some false religion somewhere or by some well-meaning people. It might have even been a parent or an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent. And they didn't mean anything by it. It's just what they were taught. But some he, even sitting here this morning are trying to work your way into heaven and be good enough to go to heaven. You're trying to have everything measure out right. Well, I know I've done a lot of bad, but hopefully I'll do enough good in order to get there. Can I, can I confess a sin? Did I confess recently that, that uh, I got a speeding ticket? I'm confessing. My son and I were headed to Dexter out of Campbell. We were uh, over 62, up 25, over to Dexter one evening a few months ago. And as we were coming off of the, uh, I call it the bypass, I don't know what we call it around here, but uh, as I was coming off of that bypass on 25, kind of going around the outskirts of Molden, as you come up over that bridge over by that, that, uh, that church over there on the right-hand side, you come up over that bridge, the speed limit changes, you know, from 60 to 45. Well, 
I, I may have seen it. I don't remember. At least that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, but as we came up over the hill, and I came down to that first stop sign coming into the outskirts of Malden, uh, the red and blues lit me up. And I didn't see him. I don't know where he was. But he pulled me over, and I'll tell you, he was, he was, he's probably the nicest ticket I ever received. You know, now, how does this work? Ladies get out of tickets all the time. You know, they, they get pulled over, and I don't know what it is. You, you turn on the tears and bat your eyes or whatever it is. Officer, I'm so sorry. Would you please, you know, and my wife gets warnings all the time. I never get warnings. I just get tickets. I say all the time. I don't know. Honey, when was the last time you, you got pulled over? I don't know. Yeah, 20 years ago. So, uh, so it has been quite some time for her anyway. It has been like eight years, 10 years, something like that since I've had a ticket. You know, I, I took enough of the driving courses. I don't want to go through any more of them. But we were in a little bit of a hurry, and I came through there, and I was going, I think, 62 when he got me. And he was so nice. You know, he was like, Sir, you know, this is all I do. I just, I, I look for speeders. This is my only job description right now. It was like he was apologizing to me, you know. And, and I'm thinking, please, if you're being so gracious, can you just let me off? But he didn't. Wrote me for 17 over, and that was that. So he said, now you can go before the judge, and, and uh, you know, you can contest it. I said, well, I can't. I don't have anything to contest. I know I'm guilty, you know. He said, but you never know. You never know what might happen. I said, all right, I don't know. We'll see. So I contemplated paying the ticket or going, you know. Uh, I might have called Brother Austin to see if he knew anybody. That didn't go anywhere. So um, he was like, no, I don't know that guy. Oh, all right. When we got there, the judge was grumpy that night. He was just, matter of fact, you know, like, people coming up there and trying to make all their excuses and judge this and this and this. And, I mean, they're, they're just everybody, you know. Um, well, so how do you plead, you know, guilty or not guilty? And he'll listen to their story. Well, judge, you know, this, this, and this happened, and this, this, and this happened. And he doesn't respond. He just stares straight forward and says, so how do you plead, guilty or not guilty? And I'm like, oh, no. This is not going to go good. Well, Emma, of all people, you know, Emma wanted to go with me. She was in her history class uh, at that time. She was going through the judicial system and how it all works. She's like, Dad, I want to go see it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so we went together, you know, and they've still got their seats spaced out for COVID or something. I don't know what that's all about. But anyway, so she's like way over here, you know, hi, Emma. Um, and it didn't matter what we said. When we stood before him that afternoon, that evening, he would, he would look on his computer screen or whatever it was he had there and read the law and read what I had done. And he'd say, now according to the law, the speed limit here is 45. We clocked you going 62. How do you plead? And y'all, that's the way it's going to go when we all stand before God one day. But He's not going to measure us according to... By the way, I didn't get off. Um, but they did change my ticket. He was very kind. They changed it to a non-moving violation so I could at least avoid the points on my insurance. So that was nice. But we're not going to be judged by the world's laws. 
will not be judged by what Joe Biden says is right or Donald Trump says is right. We'll not be judged by even what the preacher says is right. We'll be judged by what God said is right. And the Bible says, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. The books that I believe are opened are the, the, the books of the Bible. And I believe that God is going to compare all of our lives to the, the books of the Bible, the 66 books that you hold in your lap this morning, and He's going to compare the way that we have lived with all of His laws. And when we stand there, and He judges, us, uh, uh, judges our works according to His books, the Bible says in the book of Romans, that he will find there is none righteous, no, not one. He's going to find that all have sinned and come short. Is everybody okay? Nobody's going to be good enough to get into heaven. And there will be no chance of saying, as if I wish I could have uh, before the judge on that day a couple of months ago, I wish I could have stood before him and said, yeah, but judge, uh, don't you understand all the times I've come through Malden and not broken the speed limit? Doesn't that count for something? It doesn't matter to the judge. They got you on that day. You're guilty of breaking that law, and it will be the same thing when you stand before God. Some people want all the good things that they've done to measure out good enough to outweigh the bad. But here's the reality of it. Even if we have committed one sin against God. The Bible says that we are guilty of all of them. If we have broken one of the commandments, we're guilty of all of the commandments. We will all stand before God guilty. Amen. The Jews were relying upon Moses and he appears with Jesus. But you know what? God took the author of the law away and left Jesus only. When the disciples lift their eyes back up, Moses is no longer standing there. Who is standing there? Jesus only. I want to say, first of all, Jesus only can save. The Bible says in Acts chapter number 13 and verse number 39, and by Him all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. Amen. Some give the attention to the laws and they say, I'll go to heaven because I've lived good enough and I'll do enough to balance out against the laws of the Bible. But we will all stand before God guilty and the only way to be saved is through Jesus alone. Listen to me this morning. If you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone, then you cannot be looking to any other. There is no other name by which we must be saved than the name of Jesus Christ. It is Jesus only who can save. Listen to me this morning. I cannot save you. If I were to stand with you before an almighty God, I will also be guilty of sin and He'll look upon me and say, you yourself are not a worthy sacrifice. Only my Son could be the sacrifice for their sins. I cannot do anything to save you from your sin. Your grandparents cannot do anything to save you from your sin. It doesn't matter if they were a deacon or a preacher or anything else. You yourself will stand before God one day and give account for your salvation. Amen. And the only way you'll ever sniff heaven will be through Jesus only. Jesus said in Matthew chapter number 12 and verse number 41, the men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it 
because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. You know what? He said, I'm greater than Solomon. I'm greater than Jonah. I'm greater than Elijah. I'm greater than Moses. I'm the only one whereby man must be saved. Jesus only can save you from your sins. Jesus only can save us. But I want to say secondly, Jesus only is worthy of our attention. Moses and Elijah were both getting a little bit of attention from the disciples that day. Look at it in verse number 3, if you would please, of Matthew 17. The Bible says, And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elias. And while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. Amen. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. Moses and Elijah would have been really something to see. And you know, I find this so interesting, that they knew who they were. You know, I believe that we will know each other when we see each other in heaven. I believe in our glorified bodies and with... Uh, with, with, with whatever it is that happens to our minds that in that heavenly state that we'll just know each other. I believe I know, I'll, I'll know my wife. I believe I'll know my children. I've got a few children in heaven uh, that have, have gone on before us and I believe that I'll know them when I see them. And I believe that they'll know me. But I also believe that when I see Paul, I'm going to know him. And boy, if there's anybody in the Bible <coughs> that I look forward to meeting, one of them is Paul. The, the life and ministry of Paul is so captivating to me. And he was, he was so human. He was willing to admit his shortcomings and often he talks about the wretched man that he was. And I can relate with that. Can't you relate with Paul when he talks about those things which I should do, I don't do, and those things which I shouldn't do, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. Can't you relate with that? Doesn't it make you feel better that God inspired Paul to tell us about how human he was? Aren't you glad that we don't have to be perfect in order to get to heaven? We just have to believe in the Savior? But you know what? I look forward to meeting Paul. I cannot wait to sit down with Paul one day in heaven and just hear him talk. Man. I look forward to meeting the man that, that one of my sons is named after, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And for the first time, sitting down and talking with that hero of the faith that has inspired me so greatly as a preacher. Oh, to hear Spurgeon talk, what a day that'll be. And boy, I, I look forward to meeting Moses and David and hearing about some of the stories of David's battles. And you know, the Bible says that he was a, a bloody man and a man of war. And I don't know if we'll be able to talk about those things in heaven. Maybe not. But I look forward to sitting down and talking with David and talking to Moses and hearing more of the stories that they have to tell. And boy, do I look forward to hearing from Daniel about the day that God delivered him from the lion's den. And boy, do I look forward to meeting Joseph and actually seeing him face to face for the first time. 
time. But listen to me, friend. I'm going to tell you something. That there is only one that should get all of our attention. And His name is Jesus Christ. And if there is any face that all of us will be so glad to see, it'll be the face of our Savior. You know, Moses and Elijah and David and Abraham and Isaac and all those that went before us, as amazing and miraculous as their lives were, and as much as God worked in them, there will be no greater sight than the face of Jesus. There are many that get our attention. But He is worth it all. Men have been used, but it was God's power that did it, not some man. Some are enamored today by self-exalting preachers who like to lift themselves up behind the pulpit. Some are enamored by those that are the heads of larger religious organizations. But I want to tell you this morning that the one who deserves our exaltation, the one who deserves our praise, the one who deserves to be high and lifted up today is not this preacher, and it's not some preacher online, and it's not somebody that is the head of some religious organization. It is Jesus only. It is Jesus only that went to the cross of Calvary and suffered the great affliction for my sins. It was Jesus only that was smitten and wounded for my transgressions. And He only is worthy of my attention. If there is anybody that deserves our attention today, brother, it's not the Easter Bunny, it's Jesus only. Jesus only can save, and Jesus only is worthy of our attention. I want to say this this morning. Look, if you would please, at uh, verse number uh, 6. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were what? Sore afraid. And Jesus came and what? Touched them. And said, Arise and be not afraid. I want to say thirdly that Jesus only can calm your fears. They had seen something they didn't understand, but Peter in his haste says, This is great. Let's make three tabernacles. One for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for you. And then all of a sudden a thundering voice comes from heaven and they fall on their faces and they are sore afraid. I cannot even imagine that moment. You know, uh, this is kind of a funny thing, but it's true. Uh, Quite some time ago I was working for a, a man to make a little extra income when the church couldn't pay us on a weekly basis and he was a coppersmith. He did copper work. It was really, really a, a neat job. And we were working at uh, a university putting up some ornate copper hoods that he had made in his, in his shop and we were installing and, and uh, for, for the, the, uh, the, the uh, stoves and grills and all that kind of stuff. And they had these enormous copper hoods that were, I don't know, some of them might have stretched from that post to that post. Huge. And man, well, how beautiful that work was. And, and But we, we, we were driving back and forth from, from where I, I lived to that place. It was about, oh, I think about two hours or so one way. And, and after doing that for a, a couple few weeks and then also pastoring and, and doing other things, I was wearing out. And when we finally finished the job, I think it was a Thursday or a Friday after a few weeks, um, I was so tired, I was, I, was, I was falling asleep on my feet. And y'all have been there, right? And I had about a two-hour drive to get home. And 
I honestly didn't know how I was going to make the drive. I was exhausted. And I was afraid I might wreck, fall asleep, and something might happen. Well, walk into the car or to the vehicle. I, I, was, I was carrying my gear and everything. And, and when I got not too far from the vehicle, I, now, call me crazy, but this is what I prayed. I said, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to stay awake. Would you please send me one of your angels to keep me awake? And I meant it. I said, Lord, just, just, just I don't know, just keep them in the seat with me, you know, just, just so I don't die on the way home. I, mean, I was dead serious. I don't know why I was dead serious. I don't know why I thought he would do that, but I prayed it. And as I got closer to the vehicle, I began to think what it would be like to see a real angel sitting in the car with me. And I kind of got freaked out. And I went, uh, that would be really scary. Actually, Lord, maybe not. You know, maybe not. Um, I'm not sure if I want this or not. Many times there were some that when they saw angels, they were afraid. It's a scary sight for one of those unearthly beings to appear before you. Now, some of them appear in, I think, regular apparel and look like regular everyday people because the Bible says that we have to be careful to entertain strangers because we may entertain uh, angels unawares. I believe there are some that look just like you and me. But, in any given case, I got freaked out a little bit. I thought, man, if I'm driving down the road and all of a sudden somebody's sitting in the seat next to me, I might die anyway. This may not be a good idea. No angel appeared. But, it draws my mind to what they must have seen. And then what they heard. Imagine already not being sure about what you're looking at. And then a booming, thunderous voice, the voice of God Himself speaks. And it casts you to your face in great fear that I've just heard from God Himself. I don't think they understood everything that was happening. You know, Christian, every now and then, there may be some things in life that make us tremble. As we walk through this life, there will be things that we face in the spiritual life and in our regular lives that sometimes we just don't understand. And there may be some of you today that maybe God has taken you to a place. He brings uh, Peter and James and John to this place to see something that they can't possibly understand. And I I believe uh, fully in my heart that sometimes God will lead His people to places where we're totally lost. I believe He's done it with me on more than one occasion. And sometimes in those moments, He's working on us. He's leading us to a place where He can speak to us in a different way or where He can teach us and train us and raise us up as Christians. Often He leads us into places that we don't understand. And I believe that maybe there could be some of you this morning that have been led to a place in life that you're not quite understanding what it is that God is doing. You're not quite seeing what it is that God wants you to see. And sometimes it's not even God that does it. Sometimes it's just life circumstances and the things that you're facing. Sometimes it was things that you went through that God had nothing to do with. Some people today deal with such great abuses. It's unfathomable. The kind of things that a wicked person without God will do to other human beings. And I have no doubt that there are some sitting here today that don't understand parts of your life. 
And the truth is that sometimes we try to find some form of peace through every avenue that we can because our heart cries out for some form of peace and safety and comfort to try to quell all of the thoughts and the, the fears and the questions that we have. And I'm here to tell you that sometimes you can find temporary answers out of a book or out of some psychologist or out of some Facebook post or out of some song. And there are times that we can be helped by those types of things. But the truth is that if we're truly going to have our fears calmed, the only place that we'll find it is in Jesus only. You don't need to turn to anybody other than the Savior who cares for you, the God who loves you, and say, God, I don't understand. I don't even know why you brought me to this place, but I trust you and I need you. Amen. Christian, the only kind of peace that will last is the kind that comes from Jesus only. If you're looking for peace from God, but you're looking for it outside of the church, outside of your Bible, outside of your prayer time, it will not last. Jesus only can calm your fears. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. I want to say lastly, and this is similar to uh, Jesus only is worthy of our attention, but I want to say lastly, Jesus only is worthy of our worship. Peter wanted to build a memorial for all three of them, but only Jesus was worthy of it. No other is worthy of our praise and honor. Yes, there have been good men, but all those good men are on the same footing. They're not worthy of worship. Jesus only is. In Revelation chapter number 19, we get a glimpse of glory. And in heaven, John the Revelator is being um, brought before many different sights. And in one case, the Bible says that he falls at his feet, at the feet of one to worship him who had come to speak with him. In Revelation chapter number 19 and verse number 10, the Bible says, And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. John saw somebody in heaven that was helping him and communicating with him and he fell at his feet to worship him. And he said, see thou do it not. I'm one just like you who has the testimony of Jesus. I guess that means he was a Christian, a saved man that somehow, some way, and I don't understand how all this works, that God had allowed him to be with in heaven. And he fell down to worship him and he said, worship God only. And then in Revelation chapter number 22, the same thing happens. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I heard, and when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. Amen. The angels won't allow you to worship them. The brethren in heaven don't want to be worshipped. It's Jesus only who is worthy of our worship. God desired that none other would receive worship or praise on this day when He took these men to the Mount of Transfiguration. The only one who is worthy of our worship and praise 
is Jesus Christ. Christian, when you're transported temporarily into some uh, uh, portal of heaven through some song that is sung about the Lord, don't praise the singers. Praise Jesus only. When a work is done in your heart during an invitation time or a church, uh, during a church service on a Sunday or on a Wednesday, uh, be thankful for what the Lord has done in that church service, but give the recognition and the worship for what He did in your life to Jesus only. I look to some of the times that God literally changed my life in a message that was preached by a man behind the pulpit. But I know that after that message was finished, that the one who did the work in my life when I walked away from that service and did not have that preacher around anymore was Jesus only. Why did God want the other disciples to go to the mount with Him? I think they wanted Him. I think He wanted them, excuse me, to see Jesus only. I think He wanted them to be brought to the moment where they would understand that it was all about Him. Would you turn your Bibles to one more passage and we're done this morning. Second Peter in your Bibles this morning in chapter number 1. Now who was it that was drawing attention to Moses and Elijah on that day? It was Peter, wasn't it? But I want you to notice what happens later on in Peter's life as he talks about this day again. 2 Peter chapter number 1, and let's look at verse number 13. Yea, I think it meet or necessary, as long as I am in this tabernacle, in other words, as long as I live in this flesh, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this, my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His what? For He received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to Him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with Him in the holy mount. Do you see that? What is He saying after the fact? After this time when He saw the Mount of Transfiguration. I'll tell you what He's seeing. According to verse number 16, He's seeing now Jesus only. He's not seeing Moses and Elijah anymore where one day He wanted to build them a temple or a tabernacle to commemorate their appearance with Jesus. But now, as he talks about that day, do Moses and Elijah appear in any of his words? Does he say anything about who else appeared there? No, he speaks of Jesus only. And I want to say this, that as you grow in your relationship with the Lord, there will be things that He will purge from us. And you know one of the things that I believe He will purge from us? Our reliance upon anything and anybody else other than Jesus only. And that there will come a day when even in the last bit of our lives, just like Peter when he said, I know my day is not far from now when I'm supposed to put off this tabernacle because God has shown it to me. But in that day, if you've lived for God and been faithful to Him, you won't look back and think of the great other men. You'll look back 
and want others to know only about Jesus. If you're here this morning, it's Jesus only who can save you. It's Jesus only who is worthy of our attention. It's Jesus only who is worthy of our worship. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please take these truths and seal them in the hearts and minds of your people. If there are some here today that are lost and on their way to hell, I pray that you would please convict them of their sin and show them their need for the Savior. With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody